0: Hey, listeners, just a reminder that the history of everything sex is for mature audiences, so listen with discretion. And don't forget, we're ready for suggestions, ideas, stories, whatever you want to tell us. Just email us at thehistoryofsexpod at gmail.com. Thanks!
1: this is episode number 50.
0: 50 oh my god we're half to we're half to 100?
1: Yes already that went fast huh?
0: I did 50 I remember remember when we were on five?
1: I do I do
0: yeah
1: and we were hoping we had at least five listeners and we're still hoping we have we're still
0: hoping we have (laughs) at least five listeners I'm sure you know
1: Yes. Once so. we get that merch
0: out and get our tour announced, we're gonna be good.
1: I'm telling we'll you, good. Exactly right. We'll be autographing all night.
0: Yeah, open up for the Foo Fighters and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't think it works that way, but okay. <laughs> no, I mean,
0: everybody likes to listen to. You know what, Jim Brewer um opened for Metallica.
1: Well, then tour, there you go. And
0: he's a comedian, so why can't we? We're funny. We, we're funny.
1: We are hilarious. Yeah, if, I, if we do say so ourselves.
0: Yeah, and we do all right miss terry would you like to say you're welcome yep with a mouthful of pizza
1: you, you know ready? that's all right go for it
0: welcome <laughs> to the history <laughs> of everything i don't want to choke <laughs> <laughs> okay you live you live to see another i episode. lived i lived through it so mute, mute myself while i chew go right ahead <laughs>
1: So way 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 back in 2002, there was no Facebook, there was no Twitter, um, even MySpace didn't exist until August of 2003. So we old folks, meaning you and I, yeah, we remember when you would dial into the net, internet. You would pull up AOL or Yahoo, uh-huh. and then you would search for chat rooms. Yes. And you could find groups of people who had the same interest as you, from baseball to astronomy to porn to music. You could find groups of people in your city or state to bullshit with or anywhere else in the country. And since it was the internet, you could do all of your online chatting anonymously. Right. Using any handle that you Im- your imagination could come up with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, naturally, this was immediately both amazingly awesome and horribly awful at the same time. Right. While people could spend hours talking with like-minded people, socializing and sharing ideas, those who had more nefarious intentions could hide behind a fake online name and pretend to be anyone they wanted.
0: Yeah, probably the start of catfishing. Really. Exactly.
1: Also, kids and teenagers were fast learners, figuring out ways to keep their online activities secret and also pretending to be whomever they wanted to be while chatting. Yeah. Again, this could be awesome or awful. Right. Like how fun to hop on the computer where no one knows If you're a kid who is constantly bullied for being fat or for being Uh, a nerd or whatever, um, and you could just become this cool, ultra popular guy or girl with tons of confidence and personality. Right.
0: And Um, they didn't have like, it's not like there were pictures.
1: Exactly. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Or if you were a closeted homosexual, you could find anonymous arenas where you could talk freely with others exactly like you. Mm hmm. And if you were a grown man who liked little kids or wanted to have sex with teenagers, you could pretend to be a teenager yourself. Or you could find youngsters who are looking for attention or love from an older person. And you could say anything that you think he or she wants to hear. In other words, as we all know today, the Internet is a scary place. hmm. So this brings us to a guy named Xavier Von Erk. Mm. Xavier was actually born Philip John Ide in 1979. Now his father left the family early on and he was raised by his single mom who worked various jobs to put food on the table. Since age 15, he has gone by the name Xavier, which is a salute to his favorite NBA player, xavier mcdaniel he legally changed his name when he was an adult and took his mother's maiden name of irk he just added the von part as a nod to his german heritage in 2002 xavier was living in portland oregon and he was using chat rooms for entertainment and he started noticing that there were like always these creepy guys trolling for young girls they were grooming them and starting inappropriate conversations with them. And these predators would say that they were seeking young girls for modeling or, you know, some such bullshit to get them to, right. you know. So Xavier and a friend. OK, tell me this isn't the best name in the history of names. OK, Frank Fence Post.
0: Frank Fence Post. I like it. <laughs> I have a friend that has a friend named Dickie Danger, and I don't oh, know my, if that's his up. real name or not, but I love it. But go ahead. Okay,
1: well, Frankie Fence, Post
0: Frankie Fence Post
1: decided that the best thing that they could do was find out who these creeps really were and then out them online to humiliate them and hopefully cause them to stop predatoring. So Xavier and Frank would pose as 13 and 14-year-old girls, and they would answer to the requests of adults who were looking to chat with them Once the conversations progressed, the men would be asked to send a pic and their real name and any other information that they were dumb enough to give. And Xavier and Frank would post the picture and the information and a copy of the chat dialogue online to shame and embarrass the pedophile. So this was their way of hitting them back.
0: Vigilante.
1: Exactly. So this went on for a while. Then Xavier decided to launch his own website, pervertedjustice.com. So this gave the guys a central site where they could post about the scummy pervs that they were, quote unquote, catching. The guys widened their net to include California. So it was Oregon and California. They recruited a few people to help create profiles of minors and wait for adults to initiate contact online. And once they had enough information, they would post all about these adults on the websites and they would reach out to any family, friends, neighbors, employers, anyone that they could fill in on what had been going on. So, I mean, they were really, you know, causing some trouble for these assholes. So, right, right. By December of 2003, Xavier had developed a program called Information First. He decided that it would be better to be in cahoots with the law so that these predators could actually be arrested or charged with their crimes. This allowed police departments to contact perverted justice and request that information on any criminals in their jurisdiction be sent directly to them. And then if the cops decided to pursue that, then the information that perverted justice had collected would not be published online, but rather be handed off to the police. But it was the cops who had to initiate the like, the contact. So they're like, you know, we have information. And if you want information about any perverts in your jurisdiction, you need to let us know you want that. And then if we get anything in your jurisdiction, we'll send you the information. Got it. Well, I guess that wasn't gaining enough traction. So in early 2004, Perverted Justice decided to take the initiative and start calling police departments when someone in their area was caught in a, quote unquote, sting operation. And if the police wanted the info and planned to pursue the perp, then Perverted Justice would give them everything they had. Um, But again, if they didn't, then the information would be published on the website. Now, naturally, there were people who criticized Xavier's tactics. For one thing, putting people on front street without any kind of fact checking could really be harmful. Right. People would inevitably be harassed and possibly face violence once their picture and information went viral. And if a mistake was made, Xavier and his peeps were not held accountable. Also, there was no way of knowing if the chat dialogues were doctored in any way before they were published. And another criticism was that the whole thing could backfire and pedophiles could go into hiding, which Xavier responded like, well, that would be great. So what's the issue? Right, right, right. Let's put them all in hiding, you know? Right, right, right. Now, according to Xavier, in the summer of 2003, the the fake profiles were getting about 100 hits per day. A year later, that was up to 3,000 hits per day. So Xavier described the site as the largest anti-groomer organization online. They obviously started adding more volunteers to keep up. Xavier, a married man with no children, later said, quote, I'm not a kid person. I don't like being around them. I'm never going to have them. But I don't like pedophiles more. Right. Yeah. At some point in 2004, Xavier and old fence post had a difference of opinions (laughs) and Frank either left or was let go. Now, Frank is quoted as saying Xavier became much more oriented toward getting profiles arrested rather than just making them complete social pariahs in their neighborhood. And I I, I get both sides of that. I assume that Frank... (laughs) You know, Frank probably went into this thing thinking he would, like, expose some dirty old men and hopefully shame them into not soliciting children and maybe do some good. Then Xavier started thinking that he could maybe save the world, like, really become a big superhero, which would be a lot more time-consuming, and, I mean, that would mean a lot more complex undertaking Plus, maybe Frank was one that questioned whether, you know, what these gross guys were doing was actually worthy of, like, arrest and prosecution, or if it was just like, ooh, you're nasty, you know? So, and of course, Xavier learned things along the way. Um, He had to make some adjustments. For example, whenever possible, the site would include a predator's phone number, along with other identifying information. But they figured out that leaving the phone number up indefinitely was not a good idea after Mm -hmm. a female bank teller in Milwaukee began receiving threatening phone calls. It turns out she had inherited the old phone number of one of the men that was exposed on the website. And after that, they started deleting the phone numbers from posts after two months, which is good because they definitely reuse phone numbers. So one story that made a lot of news involved a perverted justice volunteer named Bruce Raisley. Now, apparently Bruce, 42 years old at the time, was a volunteer decoy for perverted justice in 2004. According to him, he told Xavier that one of the other volunteer decoys was only 16 years old. And for this, he was banned from continuing to work with perverted justice meaning bruce was yeah yeah now bruce being a mature grown-ass man went on a bunch of online forums completely dogging the entire perverted justice organization and of course this did not sit well with xavier and crew Mm -hmm. then in april of 2005 bruce contacted the fbi Claiming that the team at Perverted Justice had used a picture of his son for the profile picture of a decoy, which was an allegation that Bruce's wife said never happened. Mm. When the FBI did not swoop in and shut down the whole operation, Bruce went back to those online forums and tried to raise a mob of some sort to physically strike back at Xavier and Perverted Justice.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
1: So this is where Xavier drew the line. He's like, enough is enough. So in 2005, as summer turned to fall, Xavier created a fake online profile under the name of Holly. Holly struck up a conversation with Bruce in a chat room and the two started interacting more and more. The conversations became pretty intimate. They developed quite a relationship. And after two months of online courtship, Bruce said that it was time that they meet in person. Bruce went to his wife and explained that he was leaving her and their son to pursue a relationship with Holly, his new girlfriend. Oh, wow. Yes. So he shows up at the airport to greet her when her flight arrived, holding a bouquet of flowers. So as he looked through the crowds for Holly, who, according to the picture that she had sent him, looked exactly like Naomi Watts, since that is whose picture Xavier used to send to him. Oh, okay. (laughs) One of Xavier's peeps snapped pictures of him. Obviously, Holly never showed up. The pictures of Bruce and his flowers waiting at the gate for Holly, along with screenshots of the heavily edited conversations that they had had online, were posted to the internet. Needless to say, Bruce was pissed. Right, jeez, Pissed, pissed. Now, he did go crawling back to his wife, and she took him back. Mm -hmm. He was fired from his computer software job once word got out. He and his family decided to move. So, he was offered a job in Ohio, but then he turned it down when they said that they would be publishing an announcement welcoming him welcoming him on board Uh because he didn't want his name out there so he was definitely not looking for any publicity he then landed a job in florida but his wife and son decided that they would just stay put in arkansas he could move to florida alone Uh at one point while he was living in florida a pipe bomb was placed in the wife and son's mailbox and it detonated No one was hurt, and his wife was sure that it was just some neighborhood neighborhood kids being brats. Mm -hmm. But Bruce was sure that it was the doing of Xavier and Company. So he moved back to Arkansas to protect his family. Mm -hmm. Moving along, in September of 2006, journalists picked up the story of the whole Bruce and Holly debacle, and they wrote up an article on it. There was an article by John Cook, which was posted in Radar Magazine, which was an online magazine. Then, in July of two thousand seven, an issue of Rolling Stone had an article. So, as you can imagine, now Bruce is furious.
0: So, of course, he, he would be right.
1: So mad. So he started. He started flooding the websites of those involved with so many hits. That their sites slowed to a crawl. So, Bruce, who had moved his family to Pennsylvania by this point, just relentlessly kept up the disruptive behavior. He asked both magazines to remove the article from their websites. And I mean, eventually, Radar at least took his name out of the article, but I mean, it was already out there. So, Eventually, Bruce developed a computer virus that would completely sabotage a website, overwhelming it and making it unavailable to those who wanted to access it, which Mm -hmm. is kind of smart. But I mean, he is a programmer, right? He infected thousands of computers and basically shut down Rolling Stone and Radar's websites, along with several others he ended up causing over a hundred thousand dollars in damages to the companies in the way of lost business and mitigation. So he was arrested in June of 2009. He was able to post bail, but he was ordered to stay in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Like he could be in two states, which I don't know, maybe it was kind of like Cincinnati's like part of like northern Kentucky, like we're all one thing or whatever. But Mm -hmm. he was allowed to be in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Now his wife peaced out and moved to Illinois. (laughs) Uh She's like, "Mm, have fun over there in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. I'm out. So according to Bruce's brother, (laughs) Bruce and his wife were not on good terms, you think? She just fucking moved to another state. Right. Um Bruce was charged and found guilty of accessing computers without authorization. Mm -hmm. In September of 2010, he was sentenced to 24 months in federal prison. Wow. And he was ordered to pay $90,386.34 in restitution. Jeez. Right. Now, back to the subject that we were talking about before. Mm -hmm. So, perverted justice. Once word started to spread about this undercover operation um, that aimed to publicize the identities of people, which turned out to be almost entirely males, who were grooming, enticing, or having very inappropriate sexual conversations with what they thought were children, the media saw an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So, starting in late 2003, PJ agreed to set up an actual meeting between an online predator and one of its volunteers posing as a minor at a house. Once the adult showed up, the news reporter and the camera crew would ambush him and catch the whole thing on tape to be aired on that evening's news. And this was known as a group media bust. This innovative fresh news segment was all the rage. And before long, NBC realized that they could capitalize on this idea and maybe finally get their ratings back to a respectable level. Mm. So in 2004, Dateline NBC began airing To Catch a Predator, hosted Mm -hmm. by Chris Hansen. In this truly unscripted reality TV show, the perverted justice decoy posing as a young teenage girl or boy would invite the adult who was preying on him or her to come over to their supposed home where they just happened to be home alone. Mm -hmm. Of course, what the target had no way of knowing was that the house was wired with a dozen or more cameras and microphones and that Chris Hansen and his crew were hiding just out of sight. Perverted justice members would occupy a back room of the rented house where they would monitor and keep up with their fake online underage profiles until someone started chatting them up and eventually agreed to come and meet them. At that point, Chris and crew would be informed and they would take their places. The perverted justice volunteer would play the part of the adolescent boy or girl when the predator arrived, then would casually excuse him or herself for a minute. Once he or she left the room, Chris and his camera guys would swoop in and confront the pedophile, asking lots of questions and getting it all on tape. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then when the guy walked out the door, the police were waiting and would arrest him. Wow. Right. <clears throat> very intense. Uh-huh. Now, as you can imagine, there were very mixed reviews and opinions about this, as there is about everything. Right, right. For starters, many people believe that this was entrapment. Now, we've all heard that word before when it comes to police procedure and sting operations and stuff. It basically means that someone was tricked or convinced to do something illegal that they would not have done otherwise. So in other words, the police or some other law enforcement agent went out with the intention of coercing an innocent person through very seductive or conniving tactics to break the law just so that they could then arrest that person and charge them with a crime, which when you put it that way, it's really shitty because you're basically testing some random person to see if you can get them to do something. And then if they fail the test, you say they're criminals and then they have to pay for breaking the law. Right. For another thing. These people were being tried by the media before ever being tried in court. Right. But in this case, we are talking about grown ass men who are accepting an invitation to a house. It
0: doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's something they normally wouldn't have done. That could have been their very first time. It could have been their 1,000 and first time.
1: Right. Exactly. Right. You are literally expecting to be alone with a child. You've been sexting with them online right. saying things that children shouldn't hear from anyone, much less someone trying to do nasty things with them. Yep. So you're a piece of shit anyway, right? Right. Um, there was also some concern that these predators would not be able to be prosecuted in this situation. Even though they are clearly scumbags and deserve many bad consequences, have they actually broken the law? Because early in the life of the internet, there were not many laws relating to the grooming of children and teens online. Can it be proven in a court of law who exactly was typing the messages? And since Chris stepped in before any frisky business happened, not to mention that the decoy was not actually underage, there was no illegal sexual contact. But with all this being said, the ratings were crazy. The 2006-2007 season had about 7 million viewers apiece. Also, 19 of the 25 most-watched programs on MSNBC were reruns of To Catch a Predator. Wow. Right. That's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Now, the real question is, was this successful? Well, that depends. Basically, a lot of guys were arrested. And most of them took a plea agreement. They had some probation and had to register as sex offenders, which is a win in my book. If you're registered, that's very, very helpful. So here's the breakdown as best as I could put together. The first episode of To Catch a Predator aired on November eleventh, two 2004, and took place in Long Island, New York. In this case, 18 men were arrested including a New York City firefighter. Um, An episode in November 2005 took place in Fairfax County, Virginia, followed by an episode in February 2006 in Riverside, California. But then people started to wonder if this was only a big city problem. Surely it didn't happen in small towns. So Dateline headed to the little town of Greenville, Ohio Mm -hmm. uh, for an operation. In this case, the only way that the online conversations could be used in court would be if the decoys were law enforcement officers. Oh. So the Dark County Sheriff's Office deputized the perverted justice volunteers. Okay. Sure. 17 men were arrested in three days. 16 of them were sentenced to anywhere from 30 days to 11 months. And we don't know the outcome of the 17th guy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this shit show was divided into two episodes that aired April 26th and May 3rd of 2006. Later in May, another two-parter aired, this time in Fort Myers, Florida. In September 2006, an undercover operation in Fortson, Georgia, was aired in two episodes. This time, 20 men showed up to the house. Of these, 14 pled guilty and received anywhere from two years in jail plus eight years probation up to six years in jail plus 25 years probation. Not sure about the other six guys. Right. So the first season ended with a two-parter that took place in Petaluma, California, where 29 men were arrested in three days. So then season two started airing in January of 2007, and the first two episodes took place in Long Beach, California. The two episodes covered the arrests of 38 men in three days. Hmm next murphy texas where 25 arrests were made Mm -hmm. now this one was the beginning of the end for to catch a predator so it was during the lead up to this episode that bill condrant jr the assistant district attorney of rockwell county texas Mm -hmm. was busted
0: oh my yeah
1: now bill had an online conversation with a perverted justice decoy posing as a 13-year-old boy. It was very explicit, but he did not go to the undercover house. But the online dialogue was handed over to the police. There are a few different versions of how things went down. But I believe that Dateline pushed the police to serve the warrant right then and there so that they could have it all on video. It was the first time that To Catch a Predator went to the alleged predator's house rather than waiting for them to come to the trap house. When the police showed up at Bill's house with the Dateline crew and perverted justice guys in tow and with an arrest warrant that happened to have the wrong address and wrong date on it because this was all so rushed, Bill did not answer the door. They tried to call (laughs) his phone. He didn't answer the phone. Eventually, they called in the fucking SWAT team to get into the house to get him out, which was later very criticized because that's a little bit of a leap. Mm -hmm. You know, really. So when the team spotted Bill, he shot himself rather than be arrested.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, he passed away later at the hospital. Now, Bill's sister then turned around and sued NBC for $105 million in a wrongful death lawsuit. The matter was settled out of court for an undisclosed amount of money, as it always is. Now, Bill's computers were seized, and a lot of sources say that there was some child porn on those hard drives and that he was not exactly some innocent guy. But we can also see how... It was all out of line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and a big part of the problem was, you know, even media people say media don't tell cops what to do. You know, you just uh-huh. don't do that. Yeah. Afterward, the district attorney of Kaufman County, Texas, called the Terrell police, which is the department that was involved with this whole incident, quote, mm-hmm. the most <clears throat> incompetent bunch of buffoons you've ever seen.
0: Yeah, that was until the Avadi shooting.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. and yeah, till no, recently, there's it, yeah, so <laughs> many. <laughs> now, after Texas, <clears throat> three more sting operations took place: one in Flagler Beach, Florida; one in Ocean County, New Jersey; and the last one in Bowling Green, Kentucky.
0: Hmm.
1: Most of the criticized, most of the criticism of the Dateline show came from other news journalists and police. And like I said, the bottom line is that police departments should not be in cahoots with the media because getting the most drama should not be more important than the police following their standard procedures. Right. I mean, they were just so blasted for calling the SWAT team in. They're like, are you kidding me? Like, you know, this I- it's the assistant district attorney you think you're not going to be able to just find him on the street in the next day or two right 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 uh yeah he's not holding someone hostage in there right right and with perverted justice being described by some as a vig- vigilant vigilant I can't say it vigilante vigi- group it's easy to see why people would be very critical of them, possibly influencing the action of the police. Apparently, NBC was paying perverted justice between seventy-five dollars and $100,000 in consulting fees per episode of To Catch a Predator. Some say that was a lot of incentive to lure men to a bait house in order for NBC to get their ratings. Chris Hansen says that To Catch a Predator led to the arrest and conviction of over 200 men, including a rabbi, a 48-year-old doctor, a homeland security agent, a math tutor, a school teacher, and a school principal. So, fuck all of them. Right, right. But eventually, Chris Hansen and To Catch a Predator went away. In 2019, perverted justice announced that it would no longer be active, And according to their website, as of October 2018, perverted justice had actively been responsible for 623 convictions of sexual predators. In their early years, perverted justice had developed a sister website that would expose those organizations that either worked with or supported any online pedophilia activity. They also had educational sites to train law enforcement and others on sexual predators. By 2019, they were definitely outnumbered. The internet, as we know, is so full of apps and sites that can be accessed by kids and teens and pedophiles. It would be impossible to police all of that. Mm-hmm. So for better or worse, you know, cause I'm sure, you know, I, I I don't think it would be a stretch to say they've probably ruined a few lives of people who maybe didn't deserve it. Possibly. Possibly. hmm Yeah. So, but I'm happy about the convictions. So yes. Yes. Go with that. So now we have a little game. Okay. These morons... That would, these predators online would have the dumbest handles or names, online like names. Like they would think uh, something
0: that would draw attention to a young child.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. So we're going to play Faker for Real. Okay. So I have some. I bet you had fun creating the ones. I did actually, I did. And then I was like, it's creepy that I'm having fun doing this. Oh, I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> but some of the ones. Okay. So I will give you an online name and you tell me if this is for real or um, made fake. up. Fake or for real. Okay. Okay. Generic white male. <laughs> for real. Correct. Oh, wow. I'm sure that got all the honeys. Right. Daddy for you. Like the number four and the you. Uh Fake. It was real. Wow. Ew. That's so gross. Yes. Condom Buster 321. <laughs> fake. Yes, that's fake. <laughs> Twink Toilet.
0: Oh, God. True. Or yeah. for real. Yeah. yeah. Gross. Ugh.
1: Uh, one word. Can I rape you anally? Uh, for
0: real? Yeah. Oh my god. I know. I want to punch that person.
1: Correct. Hambugger.
0: Hamburger? Yes. Uh, for real.
1: Yeah. And people are like, was that supposed to be hamburger? And you spelled it wrong? Uh-huh. It got a lot of attention. bubger. Yeah. Um, SpongeBob Giant Dick. Fake. No, that was real. Oh my god, boy, you're really appealing to those kids. Right. Hi, uh, Captain. Slick pickle, sixty nine,
0: sixty nine. I, I think you made that one up.
1: I did. Yeah, that was great. Yeah.
0: Thanks.
1: Uh, funnel cakes, thirteen, thirteen. For real? No, that's fake. I love funnel Thanks. cakes. <laughs> <Funnel> cakes. <laughs> um, one word. The names they give are dumb.
0: uh for real yeah i ain't that (laughs) stupid
1: uh welfare is for white folks for real it is real and it was a white dude who lived in alabama uh barf bag for you uh fake yeah okay (laughs) sexy homie for real uh fake correct you're good at this Kiss my tickle. <laughs> Don't spit your pop out. <laughs> um
0: for, uh, for real.
1: Yeah. Asshole. Right. Rick's talented tongue. Uh, exactly.
0: Oh, it's for real. There yes. is Rick, there Sorry. is somebody out there.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh Dick So Big Sixty <laughs> Nine. <laughs>
0: uh for real yeah and Maybe. lastly
1: we have bald beaver hunter
0: uh for real
1: yeah those are real
0: okay so those were all people that were convicted too yes God, all of you guys i didn't laugh at your names because right you're clever <laughs> right so you know
1: it's because you're a fucking it's idiot because you're a
0: fucking idiot so yeah just don't because they're all listening to our podcast. Exactly. You know what? <laughs> Go get busted
1: over that or something. That's right. That's right. Assholes. Yeah. Go get raped anally. Yes. Because you fucking deserve it. So hide your kids, hide your wife, hide, right. your, hide your computers. Lordy. Yeah. People yeah. are gross. Oh, people are so gross. Did you ever see any of the Catch to Catch Predators? I believe I have. Yeah.
0: I believe I have. Not a whole bunch of them but um I forgot uh I kind of forgot about it to be honest with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah,
1: well, I went through YouTube cuz the game was going to be did the predator say this or that but i was like i'm not watching all these episodes because they're creepy like i can't it makes me very uncomfortable to watch Mm -hmm. you know but the little clips i watched here and there like i mean the one guy because you know obviously after a while they knew who chris hansen was right
0: right 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 even
1: chris hansen was like i can't believe these guys are still doing this like Uh this is on national tv they know that we're doing this why would you be so stupid to fall for this? you know? And so he would come out from, you know, behind the curtain or whatever. and the guy the one guy just fell to his knees and just begged him, like, just please, just please, don't ask me any questions. Just please let me go home. i I never meant to come here. I didn't want to come here, you know, stuff like that, right and because another he exactly guy who he is, yeah, oh, yeah. And then another guy who was butt ass naked when he walked in the door, then he like came to the door, stripped butt ass naked while the person, the child, said you know oh i'm gonna go in there and get you something to drink he strips butt ass naked and chris hansen comes in and the guy goes you know and he's like "Uh oh and chris hansen goes what are you doing man he's like well i was just really worried about this kid because this kid's trying to get adults to come to this house with them alone and i just had to come and make sure that this kid was safe and tell them not to do this anymore and i'm like wow that's quick thinking actually
0: <laughs> that is quick if if he hadn't honestly if he hadn't taken his damn right. clothes off right they might they might have given him two more seconds to explain himself exactly
1: but. but i will say i mean like chris always had like the whole transcript on paper of the conversation that they had had and he would i mean he'd be like so you said to them do you like to masturbate you said that to this 13 year old boy what mm-hmm. what were you trying to get? And the guy's just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. One guy was busted twice. Mm-hmm. Let's just say goodbye. Right. Okay. Bye. Bye guys. Talk to you next Bye. week. Talk Take to you next year. week. Bye. Bye.